Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. On the radio, WAC FM. All right, ladies, buckle up. It's What's going on, all you scallywags out there? You know what time it is. It's time for the world's most hated and most racist online show in America. It's the Reese on the Radio Rundown with yours truly, Mr. Reese on the Radio. My pleasure to be here with you folks. Hello, Carl. We got John Beckman in the house and... Jeff Carlin in the house. New Jeru is in the house. Anyway, got Carl in the house. Got so much stuff to talk about. And John Beckman, like, literally was just texting me seconds ago. Are you looking at the... No, White Mike was. He was like, you checking out the Elon Musk, Mike Taibbi, or Matt Taibbi uh, tweet thread? Yep, I've been on it. I've been waiting since 5 o'clock. Those sons of bitches had me waiting hours. The hell is wrong with those people? 
got me waiting forever. For what? Just get it out there. I hear there's supposed to be a Q&A. But folks, can we applaud those folks? The former employees, the CEO, uh, what is her name? Is Vajajay, Vajajay Gad, or Gadi, whatever her name is. Let's applaud that sloppy broad. Happy trails to you, you worthless piece of trash. And, and let me tell you why I feel this way about this worthless um, uh, uh, broad. Let me, let me tell you why. This woman, I ain't even going to show her picture. You know who she is. She was the counsel for Twitter. This woman was on Joe Rogan. She was, running, she was literally running around like she was, you know, like, like her panties didn't stink. She was everywhere talking trash about Twitter and what's important and what we find important and we need to squash hate speech. That's not what that broad was doing. Twitter was influencing an election. Yeah, the tweet storm is crazy. Mike, you keep us you you keep us freaking up to date. If you get something breaking, I've already read like up to I think I was up to thread 35 before we came on the air. We know that um Rokama Democrat from California quietly was asking JJ, listen, I'm worried about the free speech stuff. He's got a little concern. Don't CC anybody that I contacted you. He knew what the he knew what was up, but he was calling in to make sure and coordinating. Are you sure this is okay? I've got some problems with some free speech things. Are you sure? Nobody's First Amendment rights are being just concerned about that. All of this. That Elon is exposed with everybody talking mess about his free speech. And, oh, what's he going to allow over at Twitter? Oh, is he going to allow the hate speech to reign? Did you see the tweet he put out today? Apparently, hate speech is down. The hate speech went up as soon as he bought the company, and now it's all the way down. Applaud that man. And for those of you who have ever ever made the point, let me applaud you. I'm going to say right now that I applaud you. Anyone who ever made the point that a company would operate better by hiring an African-American, nobody is smarter than you right now. (laughs) It's because of you (laughs) and your plight for diversity, equity, and inclusion, this African-American man took over one of the biggest social media companies, bought it for $44 billion, and changed the world. Give that man some props. Hold on, let's get on the lines here. You know our number, folks. It is 202. Hold on, sorry, I've screwed that up. 202 735 1288. Let's get to the phones. Give me a second here. Let's find out who's on the line. You're on with Reese on the radio. Who's this? This is Mike out of prison. Mikey! Mikey, Mikey, Mikey. Mikey Leibowitz is on the line. Mike, let's get your book up here. 
Oh, let's do it. Hold I got to promote your book. I, I got to find it. But okay, I, no, I already I got it. Hold on. No, no, we, we're not going to talk about it yet because we got so much other stuff, but I want to get your book on the screen as soon as I can okay. find it here. I didn't so have it I need prepared. My girlfriend, I need my girlfriend to take a picture because I don't know how to do it. Okay, well, what is she taking a picture of? My book. So oh, I the book? Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry about it. I got a picture of it already. I got a picture I'm oh. going to put up on the screen right now. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, come on, yeah. man. I'm Listen to me. I am reached on the radio. Prepared always. I've got your picture. I've got... And I'm trying to... Where the heck did I put the darn thing in it? It's on my screen. Yeah, there it is. I knew it was here. There he is. Mike Leibowitz's new book. Or, well, it's, a, it's an old book, but it's new to you. Down the rabbit hole. There you go. So Mike Leibowitz on the line right now. So Mike, I don't, I don't know if you're following this whole thing. So Elon Musk... Um, yes. African-American, that black man saving the company. <laughs> he is saving the company. Wait a second. Elon Musk is black? He's African-American, sir. He's African-American. <laughs> He's born in South Africa. <laughs> this oh, makes him, like Charlize oh Theron, God. this makes him African-American. With Charlize Theron, they're both African-American. <laughs> It doesn't seem too PC to me, though, Reese. I don't know. You might get yourself in trouble. I'm not in trouble. Listen to me. South Africa, they live in America. Ipso facto makes them African-American. Hey, if you think that's bad, try this on for size. Remember, you know who Teresa Hines Carey is, right? Yes. All right, John Carey's wife. Do you know that woman said in an interview, look it up. I'm not misquoting her here in, in any way. She said in an interview that she, because she lived in Africa, she says, I am as African as the people who lived in my town. I used to play and climb on trees like the rest of them. (laughs) (laughs) I kid you not. (laughs) So if me calling Elon Musk and Charlize Theron, which sound like to me, come on, Charlize, Elon, these are black names. Come on, let's be honest. (laughs) Ah, they'll get over it. <laughs> anyway, so are you are you following any of this stuff that's going on on Twitter? Because I know you just got out a couple of days ago. I don't even think you got a Twitter account yet, do you? I do not yet have a Twitter okay. account. But how, how, how about the girlfriend? Melissa, do you have a Twitter account? No, she has no Twitter account. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so if you're not following us, what we're talking about now, Mike, is this whole thing. Elon Musk has gone into the internal emails at Twitter. And in 2016, I know, I mean, 2020, I know you know this story because I'm sure you followed it. But in 2020, there was a story about Hunter Biden's laptop. It was the October surprise. The New York Post got a hold of his emails inside this laptop. And it was pretty much not just talking about all the nasty and dirty things that, that Hunter was doing, but it was the dirty dealing in China, in Ukraine, and in Russia. But Hunter Biden and Tony Bobolinsky, Hunter Biden's former business partner, and it appears Joe Biden's former business partner, was saying that they were peddling the White House and the vice president's name for cash for his son, and Joe Biden was getting a kickback. So this story comes out in the New York Post because they got a hold of the laptop. Well, Elon Musk today is revealing the inner workings of Twitter, which was the first place to put a squash, put the kibosh on the New York Post story. They shut the New York Post out of its Twitter account, 
And anyone who tried to share it, they removed it. So people said this was censorship. They came up with every excuse in the book saying that um, it was uh, hacked material and it went against their hacked material policy, which it never happened because it wasn't hacked. They said that it was stolen information. And they also suggested because these quote unquote uh, intelligence officers said that it was Russian propaganda. So Twitter had all of that information to back up, not allowing the story to, to permeate. We also found out from an interview with Joe Rogan that Mark Zuckerberg got a tip off from the FBI that said, hey, there's going to be some stories coming down the pipe. Do your due diligence and try to squash it, which it turned out to be the Hunter Biden story. And they did in kind what Twitter did. Not so much, but they just said, if you posted it, you could, but nobody saw it. So that's what they did. So what we're learning today is, is that the people who could have had the opportunity to find out that the president of the United States was dealing with foreign agents and compromising himself and the office should have never been president had those people known at that time. And by suppressing that information, Twitter, that is, having suppressed that, they interfered in the election. While they were telling us in 2016 that Russia stole the election, it turns out it was the Democrats and Twitter who stole the 2020 election. That's what we've learned today. And it okay. is undoubted because the information is coming directly from the emails from the heads and the executives from Twitter, their own words. Well, you've said a lot there, Reese, but I, okay. say, I look at this a little bit differently than Talk to me. Do. So I'm a big free market guy, and I think this is why I'm a libertarian and not a conservative. Okay. Because I, from my perspective, censorship is something the government does. Okay. Censorship is, is something that it's a violation of the First Amendment when the government passes laws that restrict free speech of people. Okay. Twitter as a private company ought to be free to not put anything on their platform that they want to put on it, and that's it. Just like I think that you then should be free to expose them as you're doing now. Right. But I think that the freedom element is important. Now, the problem is, is that the government gets into bed with these companies. Okay. And the government and, and, and they, they did in this case. Yeah, and they put pressure on them to do That's right. their bidding for them. Which but then I think that the thing to argue about is the government doing that stuff because by focusing on what Twitter does rather than on what the government does, we then open up ourselves to the critique of hypocrisy. Right. Well, you're, you know, you, you always support free markets, but now all of a sudden property rights aren't so sacrosanct. To me, property rights are right up there with the right to life and liberty. Okay. They're essential. That's so, okay. Uh, so all of that is fair. That all of what you just said was fair. So let me throw a little bit let me let me throw a little bit of uh bleach on a little bit of what you're saying here. Okay? Okay. 100% yeah. right. They are a private industry. They don't operate as a publisher, but they are a town square as it were, but they're still a private company. If they decide that this is hate speech or this is hacked materials or whatnot, as a private company, they are protected. No one is saying that somebody should go to jail for the fact that they colluded with Democrats. And that's the whole point here. They colluded with Democrats to protect Hunter Biden and, uh, ostensibly, Joe Biden. And I believe it's Joe Biden, ostensibly Hunter Biden, but they did it to protect him. And their emails show that they were coordinated with them. I am not saying that they did anything criminal. I'm not saying that they did anything. If anything, it, um, it exposes their bias. But that being said, let's go one step further now. Okay. 
Imagine you and I are on a phone call. Let's say, in fact, let's go. You, I, Melissa, Sebastian, and my audience are all on a phone call talking together. Okay. And you're on AT&T. Well, one-third is on AT&T. One-third is on T-Mobile. The other one is on Verizon, right? And we're talking about COVID vaccines and whether or not they are, they're real or they are helpful or whether or not they're killing people. Okay. One third of our audience gets an interruption on our phone line and T-Mobile says, hi, we understand that you're on a call talking to people about the COVID vaccine. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. We're going to have to interrupt your call because it violates, this, um, it, it violates uh, the disinformation on our network, and you can't, we can't allow you to continue with this call. Okay. Twitter is a utility, as is uh, AT&T or anyone else. They are utility. Would, you, it, would it be acceptable for T-Mobile to interrupt my phone call or my, my, my uh, conference call because they didn't like what I was talking about? It, it would all depend on the nature of the contract that you signed with T-Mobile. Exactly. Because in a free market, you contract with various people to, to provide you with a service. And if in that contract it was made clear to you that that was what was going to happen, then mm-hmm. yes, it's perfectly okay. And then you could choose when they show you that contract to not get into it. Right. Now, if you have a contract that, impl- that implicitly guarantees the right to say anything you want on this line or that you have access to any information that comes across it and then they violated that contract, then it would be a contract issue. It still wouldn't be a censorship issue. Correct. And back to the back to the public square, because I hear this argument a lot. It's the mm-hmm. public square is the public square. The problem with that argument is the very word public. The public square meant public property. Right. Twitter is not public property. Correct. So to conflate it with the public square is it borders on intellectual dishonesty from a lot of people. I'm not accusing you of that. No, 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 no. Listen, do not parse your words here. I get exactly what you're saying. You're you're 100% right. Twitter is not really the public square. And I'm using that term loosely, but you're right. It isn't. Yeah. But my biggest concern here, Reese, is that I think that you would agree, agree with me that some of the biggest issues that we face in this country are cultural, economic, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, po- uh, violations of our rights, mm-hmm. and I just think that it, it ends up. And I don't. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so I don't think it's done intentionally. But it ends up sending us down, <laughs> ironically, rabbit holes. <laughs> Way to plug the book. Hold on, let me come on. He plugged the book, ladies and gentlemen. Give him. He found a way to segue into it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but, but ultimately. 
I think that the argument that traditional conservatives where I found, you know, uh, they were in sync with me when you're mm-hmm. talking about property rights, constitutionalism, economic freedom, even the cultural issues, as long as the government's not enforcing it, I, I, I'm okay with this, with discussing it. But when we get into these things about the Democrats are bad, Republicans are all good, and Twitter's now with the Democrats. I mean, in the past it was I rem- I'm you know I'm 46 years old now. I remember back in 2005, I think, when Kanye West said that George Bush hated black people. Well, I remember all the conservatives. All the conservatives hated Kanye West, and the liberals, you know, they were cheering him on. He was a genius. They were fine with it. But now <laughs> Kanye West is saying things that the conservatives, not all, but some like, and they he's being attacked by the left wing media. So now they all love Kanye West. I don't think anybody and loves think, him right now. <laughs> I just think that uh, we've got far bigger fish to fry than Kanye West and whether Twitter doesn't want people on their accounts. Or and, and, I think indeed. we have to make arguments to restore us back to the constitutional republic we're supposed to be. But that goes economic freedom. But Mike, that goes to the point here. That goes to the point here. What is going on here in this this case is what we had was a big tech company in cahoots with the Democrat Party because we're seeing it all laid out here from their own emails that they were in cahoots with the Democrat Party protecting their preferred candidate, right, and not allowing information to spread or or for the uh, the electorate to at least know the truth, and they were doing anything and everything to thwart that. Now, that's election interference. It's a question of whether or not it's legal. I'm not even getting into that, but it is obviously duplicitous on the part of Twitter because they ran around suggesting, and they knew they were lying. From what we're seeing, we know that they knew nothing they were telling everybody when they were um, withholding this information. They even knew, because we're seeing it in their emails, they they knew it didn't hold water. They knew. So, so Reese, what would you say would be the remedy to this? This is where we get right down to the. I will tell you right off the bat, the remedy to, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. The remedy to this is social media companies um, have, they have to be regulated without a doubt. And, Hold on. They and, get, I know what you're going to say. Reece. I know what you're going to say. That's the rub. That's yeah, the yeah. Rub. They have to be regulated or, hold on, or. They have to be broken up. Okay. So do you see the rub? Do you see what, what, what just happened? Government that's intervention. Pre- that's precisely what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now you're in a position where you don't like what the private market's doing, so you're advocating government. Because they're not operating. No hold on. It, they are that. not operating as a private market in the sense of they are partisan in this, in this, in, in this regard. Well, well, the whole idea of free speech is that you can be partisan and say things that people don't want to hear or mm-hmm. conduct yourself in ways that people don't like. If free speech only meant that we got to say things that everybody liked, that's not freedom at all. Right. The way that you break up a company like Twitter, if you don't like it, is stop tweeting. Mm-hmm. Stop following people on Twitter. That's how a private market works. But instead, you run in and you say, no, I want the big government to step in and fix this. Well, it seems to me that's what the left's been doing well, at, very, at the very least, since the New Deal, in reality, a lot longer. Well, than that, but how about we bring them into? How about this? I, well, now again, Elon Musk is there to right the ship. I do believe that the people who are responsible, like over JJ here, whatever her name is, I think she's got to be called into Congress, and I think she's got to answer for that. That's what I think's got to happen. 
She's got to come in and she's got to answer for what she did. And her and the evidence is her emails has got to be brought to bear that says, listen, you told this is what you said publicly. This is what you were doing privately. Did Twitter interfere in the election? And then we then we do what's necessary to make sure that the American people don't have the information that they should have ever thwarted again. Now, it, Wait a government. Second. Hold on, Reese. I got a question. Reece. Go ahead. Hold on one second. Okay. Yep. So, if you know, for instance, that somebody's stealing from me and you don't tell me, right? Right. Are you interfering in my life? If I know that somebody's stealing from you and I don't, and you tell, don't you? tell me. Yeah, are you interfering with me in any way? Interfering. I, I don't yeah. think I'm – interfering is such a – that's a subjective word. I don't think I'm interfering. Well, hold on. Well, actually, it's not because interfering is an overt act. It means to insert yourself into something to prevent from – Right. Okay. So in, okay. in essence, so if I – what you're saying – what you're ahead. saying is Twitter didn't allow things to come out. That's not interfering. That's preventing. Uh, okay. See, fair. Fair. Thing. Fair. Okay. You're right. You're right. Okay. All right. No, no. I'm going to uh, listen. What I'm saying interfering is they. Okay. How about this? Getting in contact with the Democrat Party and having the Democrat Party give Democrat Party access to them to get them to behave in this fashion, because that's what happened here, is interfering. They're running interference. Well- what the, well, I would disagree a little bit, and what I okay. would say then, then the problem here is, are the are the democratic the Democratic Party that you're talking about are these government officials or private yes. officials? No, these are government, government officials. These are people in office. Okay, then why waste our time focusing on what a private company does? Oh, and go- instead, agreed. Focus our time on what the government is doing. Agreed. No, no, no. You're one hundred percent right. And what we then do is ask for less government intervention in the economy rather than more, which is what ends up happening when we focus on Twitter. Understood. Now, you're 100% right. I don't think, like I'm saying, first of all, they can do nothing to Twitter in this regard, right? It's evident, just like they can't do anything to freaking, you know, uh, sanctioning, uh, what do you call it? Sanctioning oligarchs. Josh Hawley and his ilk are dying to regulate Twitter. Yeah, no, no, I know they are. But what I'm saying, what the government has talked about is like all of these, these so-called Russian oligarchs have been indicted and they're going to be sanctioned. And, of course, nothing ever happens. I'm not suggesting anything. If, if you were associated with any one of these emails to Twitter or the Twitter executives that squashed this story, I believe that you should be censured or, if not, I think you should resign. This is if you are a government employee, you're saying. Yeah, if you're a government official. Oh, listen, Reese, I'm, 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 I'm fine with that. Okay. That's, I, oh, no, I, I believe that's the bottom line. I don't want anybody to get the impression yeah. I'm trying to go after a private company. I'm saying that the private company is in cahoots with, federal, with, with, with government officials running interference for governor official, government officials, in this particular case, the former vice president, and, and a, at that time, a presidential candidate. And all I'm saying is, is that something's got to be somebody's got to be held accountable for that? Somebody's got to be responsible for that. And if you want an email exchange with the people over at Twitter, uh, assisting them or getting information from them to get them to keep uh, people from sharing that story, you got to resign. Oh, listen, I'm with you, but you see, you know what this is reminding me of? I remember years ago when uh, I think it was when the, the the 2000 primary. 
mm-hmm. when McCain was big on campaign finance, finance reform. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it always seemed absurd to me that when you have corrupt government officials who are taking bribes, mm-hmm. the, the suggested uh, the suggested remedy is to limit the free speech of private citizens to give their money to whom they want. Mm-hmm. Rather than limiting the government power, which is the real source of the problem, because exactly. if there's no, no favors to buy, then it's irrelevant what money you give, and that's kind of the dynamic that I'm talking about here. Strip the government of its power, get it to stop getting into cahoots with private companies, and then mm-hmm. allow private the private market to run, and I think we'll all be a lot better off. That's a good point. Thank you, Mike. I totally appreciate it, sir. Again, thank you, Reese. My pleasure, man. Don't forget, down the rabbit hole, Mike Leibowitz's new book. Check it out. Mike will be calling in and around, and we'll be hanging out. And that's, you know, some good stuff. Thank you, man. I appreciate yes, it. Thank you, brother. <laughs> all right, brother. So, all right. So, with all of that, I want to get into this other story. I've got so many um, text messages here. Kanye's a mental case. Uh, they have to be held liable, just like normal people, like most normal people are. Um, and what is this one? Uh, does old Mike believe in see something, say something? Uh, I think he does. Uh, if I like somebody, I, if I like somebody, I say something. If I don't like them, my lips are sealed. Damn, Jeff. <laughs> Wasn't Twitter a stock before Elon purchased it? If so, not a private company that you're absolutely right. They are a public company. You're absolutely right. Elon made it private again. It's a good point. So anyway, with that, we move on. Um, this, what, who's, oh, Fritz the Cat is calling me. Hold on, Fritzy. Fritz has got a, uh, wants to chime in. Hello, Fritz. How are you, sir? Man, how's it going? Pretty good, sir. I haven't heard from you in a while. I know. Well, I didn't do the show yesterday, and of course I was doing uh, a Will Marotti show for the last two days, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the saddle again. I'm sure I hear everybody or see everybody in Freedom Fighters Going back and forth about the Twitter, um, uh, the Twitter files. Is that what we're calling yeah. them now? Are you no, are you having a hard time calling, following this? I, I, no, I was going to just wish Lebo a, a pat on the back and say, "Good job, man! You did it twenty five years." Yeah, I um, I'm a career criminal, so I don't know if you can come back from that. I don't know. Nah, he'll be fine. So, well. Well, you know, people are pretty smart when they're criminals, and just like <laughs> Lebo, you're very smart. You know exactly how to manipulate the system, and you know how to take um, what you want for yourself. So he might just be that bookwormed person that he's going to become now. I think I he. Sh- I think what he should do is take all of that, because, I mean, the guy's read like over 600 books, I think it was. He's, he's read over six hundred books. I mean, that's I mean, that's crap. I, I can't get I can't get a hundred books. <laughs> you know, smart. that's that's why I do. Um, that's why I do the uh, what's it? I do audio books. <laughs> what, did just, you, what did you do when you were in jail? I I just kind read. Of tried to make. I read. I read. I read. I tried to make playing cards. We used to <laughs> like take papers from the um, from the um, COs, and we used to like. Try to make playing cards out of them. We try to make the best of what we had. <laughs> I hate being in county. That was horrible. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you, so are you checking? You, are you checking the Twitter thing? Because I'm about to move on to another story. I got to get into this Bankman Free thing. Oh, that's fine. 
Okay. Just give a pat on the back to Lebo, and thank you for uh, taking my call. And uh, always, buddy. Always. I, I don't have much really else to say. Just, <laughs> just uh, enjoyed this show, man. Well, hey, don't forget, I'm back on. I'm back on WTIC on Thursday and Friday, and of course, back here on Monday. You better be back on Freedom Fighters really quick, man. <laughs> I'm gonna come back. I right promise. Quick, I'll be we back. Got it, we got something to talk about. You got it, boss man. I appreciate Later, you. Later, man. Later. There is Fritz the Cat from the Freedom Fighters in. Connecticut, up near the Hartford area. Um, okay, so let's go into this, folks. Did you notice that Sam Bankman freed? Do we know that guy? Wait a minute. Basically, DeGrom's has to deal with Texas Rangers. Mets will always suck. Leave the Mets alone. They had a really good season this year. Um, yeah, can't wait for the inside-out guy. Yeah, now listen to this. This is important. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Sam Bankman-Fried was loved by the folks over at CNBC. Loved by the folks over at CNBC. He was the next J.P. Morgan, they told us. And let me tell you something about this cretin. I have never liked this sloth, Jim Cramer. Never have I liked this cretin. He drives me through the roof. Everything he says, I don't trust. I wouldn't buy a stock if he gave me the money. I will never listen to this guy. This was also the piece of garbage who suggested that the Biden administration should mandate the vaccine. Kramer's always been wrong. He's always apologizing. But he sometimes he just pretends, oh, you know, I think he's a drunk. That's just my personal view. He may not be, but I think he's a drunk. And I can't be sued for what I think. I'm not saying he's a drunk. I think he's one. But CNBC, they loved Sam Bankman-Fried. Sam Bankman-Fried is really becoming the industry's lifeline during a crisis lately. I'm fascinated, endlessly fascinated with Sam Bankman-Fried's role in all of this. You've been now described as the JP Morgan, if you will, of the crypto business. A lot of people called you um, the savior of crypto, the patron saint of crypto, the Michael Jordan of crypto, if you will. Sam Bankman-Fried. Sam Bankman-Fried, the JP Morgan of Fried. SBF, JPM. Do you know SBF? I think it's cool that the guy has just initials, uh, SBF. Some on Twitter calling him the hero right now of the industry. There's comparisons to Warren Buffett back in the financial crisis. By the way, Warren Buffett called him a joke and a clown, said it wasn't a real business. Or if you go way back, JP Morgan in the panic 
of 1907, bailing out the banks before the Fed was even created. Sam Bankman-Fried is trying to play the role of J.P. Morgan. Uh, the original J.P. Morgan. One key figure we've talked about has emerged to help stabilize the ecosystem. That is Sam Bankman-Fried. We talk about him a lot. Yes. Sam Bankman-Fried. Free. Is he the Jay Gould of our era, or is he the J.P. Morgan of our era? I think it's yet to be determined. Yet to be determined. Is he, the, is he Vanderbilt? He could be. Is he Harriman? Possibly. Is he the Credit Mobile scandal? Is he Carnegie? The aforementioned... 29-year-old gazillionaire, FTX founder and CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried. I love you, Sam. I'm just jealous. Uh, it's n- n- nothing, nothing against you. The CEO, though, lives a relatively understated life for a billionaire. He drives a Toyota Corolla to FTX's offices in the Bahamas. He lives with 10 roommates and a golden doodle named Gopher. Sometimes sleeps under a, uh, his desk on a beanbag chair. They love him so much because he's just so regular. He doesn't drive a Ferrari. He drives a Toyota Corolla. He lives with 10 people, has sex with about eight of them, and sleeps on a beanbag underneath his desk like a bum. We love him. As well. You aim toward a more sophisticated level of investor than some of the other platforms do. Fair? Yeah, you're so much smarter than the rest of them, Sam Bankman-Fried, putting all of us to shame. Sam Bankman-Fried, you're so, so educated and smart. Point. Well, Sam, uh, thanks so much. It's such a fascinating conversation. That's Sam Bankman-Fried. He's so, look at him, so fascinating. Sam Bankman-Fried, he's going to save cryptocurrency. Of FTX. Sam, don't be a stranger. We love you here on CNBC. Of course. Of course we, we love you here on, MSN, on CNBC. Little does anybody know he was giving money to journalists for what he called good journalism. Is it quite possible the good journalism he's talking about is all of this Slavic praise that they blah, 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 blah. All of that praise, the sucking up, the... Is that the reason why? He was loved. Look at Jim Cramer. Let's go back to Jim Cramer. Let's get back to him. Where's Jim Cramer? slobbering all the water. Is it the J.P. Morgan? Is it the... Let me get another thing of scotch over here. Is he... Uh, is he... Is he Freud or is he... Free. Free. Is he the Jay Gould of our era or is he the J.P. Morgan of our era? I think it's yet to be determined. Is he the Jamesons of our era or is he the... Uh, is, he, is he the Boone's... Is he the Boone Snops of our era? Is he... Um, is he uh, is he the doers of our era, or is he uh, or is he the Jack Daniels of our era? So I, you know, who are these people, Jim Craven? It's, it's what I'm drinking this morning. <laughs> yes, I'm a billionaire. I'm at least sleeping, stepping to a camera. Jim Cramer. But the reason why I play this is because look at Jim Cramer today. I want to get down to the New York Stock Exchange where our good friend Jim Cramer joins us now. Jim, we're, we're talking all morning uh, both about Sam Bankman-Fried and Jay Powell. Uh, maybe not in the same sentence or, or shouldn't be, but uh, you can take a crack at each one. Well, one's just a total con artist. Disgusting. Makes me sick. The other con- yeah, you know what else makes you sick? Mixing beer with with brown alcohol. 
I did a good job. I thought he told a good story. You know, it's kind of where I think most of the people are who watch us. Uh, and I think that Sam, whatever, he like, don't even want to dignify his full name anymore, uh, is just a con artist. And as is many of the people who talked about crypto, I now believe coming on the show. Uh, but I thought that, that I thought that that Chairman Powell understood that there. Come on, you know what? Here's something. You're a con artist, Kramer. Retire already, you fraud. And that's the part I don't understand. It's a guy like Jim Kramer's job to investigate this guy, not to just read the talking points you're handed in a teleprompter. He's the guy. Kramer is the guy who's supposed to be going on television and giving people advice now he yes does he warn hey this is what you know i think it doesn't mean that you'll get the exact returns but this is what i'm saying is that i'm taking care of that and he's a prognosticator i get it but this is the guy who's supposed to look at the business model yeah he, michael says he does that ways he does but here's the guy who's supposed to look at the business model and explain to you, the investor, why Sam Bankman, Fried, and FTX are a way to go. Not slobbing. Not slobbing all over him. And his little nappy fro. Goodness gracious. But now he's a fraud. I'm going to say this to Jim Cramer. You know who I give more credit to Jim Cramer? A Democrat. And that's saying a lot. Sherrod Brown said this, folks. And for those of you who are avid listeners of this show, you're going to remember this audio. I played it two years ago. Or at least the had to be a year ago. A little more than a year ago. Because when I heard it, it made me remember why I ain't touching cryptocurrency. Democrat Senator Sherrod Brown talking about the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. If you watched the Super Bowl on Sunday, you saw ad after ad for a product that most Americans have heard of, but almost nobody knows what it really is. Even many of the people who've bought it often don't really understand it. Big crypto companies are looking to make big profits, are desperate to reach as many Americans as they can. They brought in celebrities and gimmicks to make crypto sound exciting and daring and profitable. But the ads left a few things out. They didn't mention the fraud, the scams, and the outright theft. They don't. One of our good friends, Jay King, never talks about that. Never talks about the fraud, the death, the, the debt, uh, uh, the theft, sorry, and the outright crimes that happen. Listen to what else Sherrod Brown talks about. The ads didn't point out that you can lose big in crypto's huge price swings. They didn't tell you about the high fees pocketed by the crypto companies. They never tell you that. Never tell you that. They sure didn't explain that crypto markets lack basic investor protections and oversight. Just a few weeks ago... Hackers stole $300 million of people's investments from a crypto platform. Did you ever hear about that? Crypto people never talk about that. Why? Because they want your money. They want you to invest in it, but they don't tell you what the pitfalls are. Name, and, name one, with the exception of what? Lehman Brothers. 
and Bernie Madoff, where the money that you put in gets ripped off by hackers. Nowhere. The fact that these companies felt the need to advertise at all is a bit of a giveaway about one of their major claims. If this were actually meant to be used as a currency, why would you need to buy ads? Now, again, think about what Sherrod Brown is saying here. It's money. Ask any one of you who doesn't understand anything about cryptocurrency, ask yourself one simple question. Do you need a commercial to get you to want money? Like, do you need somebody to put an ad out? Does the Federal Reserve need to put an ad out that says, hey, like money? It's over there. What are you going to do to get it? You don't need an ad. It sells itself. The Federal Reserve doesn't have to put an ad on the Super Bowl to get you interested in money. It's money. It's that simple. It's money. John Beckman says, I stuffed 10 envelopes today in my wife's truck, uh, truck use school today for her employees. Must have been $6,000 in total for employees' Christmas gift. I didn't stuff, I didn't stuff crypto. I stuffed cash. Exactly. But you've got to convince people into buying crypto because it doesn't sell itself. And when have you known money not to sell itself? I could give a four-year-old a Canadian $5 bill. He'd take it. Because it's money. Here, kid, it's not worth as much as a regular dollar, but it's money. And the kid would go, wow, what's this? It's a Canadian $5 bill. Wow, it's money? You mean I could spend it in Canada? Hey, kid, you can spend it here. If you get an exchange for it, I'm taking it. Why? Because it ain't crypto. Now, if you want to buy a lung... From a Polynesian 18-year-old boy? <laughs> Crypto is the way to go. I don't think I've ever seen in 40 years of Super Bowl watching the Federal Reserve buy a multi-million dollar commercial for U.S. dollars. And you won't. <laughs> That's because crypto isn't money. It's designed for speculation. Watching those ads reminded a lot of us of some asset bubbles we've seen before. Now, again, this is my favorite part of this piece. That's the video is going to get interrupted with the bubble. But remember, Sherrod Brown is using history as his guide. In the year 2000, during the Super Bowl, do you remember what crowded the advertising space? 2000 Super Bowl featured 21 ads from 14 different dot-com startups. Remember that? A bunch of dot-coms. This dot-com, that dot-com, 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 dot-com. It was the 2000s because the internet had really taken shape in around the late 90s. But in 2000, it dot-coms. This is 14 companies took millions of dollars out in ads during the 2000 Super Bowl. Listen to what Sherrod Brown says about those 14 companies. The internet may have been the next frontier, but these companies surely weren't. Many of them were defunct within a year or two. Only four, 
from those 14 are still around. Did you know that? That's right. John Beckman says, let me guess, only three or four still exist. That's right. Out of 14, only four are still in existence. Just four. It's brilliant. And that's why I said, I'm not messing with that stuff. Why bother? It's a joke. Anyway, don't touch that stuff. Anybody tries to get you invested, stay the hell away from it. Another thing to stay a hell away from, try this one off for size, folks. Electric vehicles. And John Stossel did this great report about the five myths of the EVs. And I've been trying to get people to watch this, especially people who keep saying, you don't own one, you don't know. It's an electric vehicle. The information's right in front of you. It's at my goddamn fingertips. And I'm trying to get these people who keep talking about the EV to watch this video because there's some inconvenient truths, as John Stossel reports in this story. If you don't know them, feast your eyes. They're great. One of my favorite ones is about making the battery for the electric vehicle smaller and more compact. Unfortunately, that's a myth, too. Stick around. Here's myth number one. Inconvenient fact one. More electric cars will hardly dent oil use. If all of us bought electric cars, would it make any difference? So the world has 15, 18 million electric vehicles now. It could go to 300 million, maybe 500 million vehicles. I don't think it'll get that many, but that's the aspiration. That would reduce world oil consumption by about 10%. That's not nothing, but it doesn't end the use of oil for the world. Because most of it's used for what? Flying airplanes, driving buses, big trucks, the mining equipment to get the copper to build the electric cars is all oil fired. And it won't change because those trucks last 40 years. So myth number one, it reduces nothing. 10% even if everybody drove an electric vehicle. It changes only 10%, a 10% change. That's what we're fighting for. This is what we're having our gas prices go through the roof for, for a 10% change. Here is inconvenient fact number two. Further, faster, cheaper, and greener. Electric cars are not all that green. One reason is because electricity isn't all that green. I'm amazed talking to people who are all excited about their electric car and they say, and I'm not polluting. <laughs> and I say, where do you get the electricity from? And they don't know. They don't know that most of America's electricity comes from fossil fuels, natural gas and coal. Just 12% comes from wind and solar. Yet auto companies tell us electric vehicles in general are better and more sustainable for the environment. She's a Ford engineer. She's not ignorant. Well, actually, she probably is ignorant in the literal sense of the word. She's not stupid, but ignorance speaks to what you know. You have to mine somewhere on Earth 500,000 pounds of minerals and rock to make one battery. And most of this mining isn't done in the U.S. American regulations make it nearly impossible. So it's done other places, polluting those countries. 
And worse, ingredients in batteries are mined in places that enslave people and use child labor. An army of children are at the heart of the mining production, wearing no shoes and in the most wretched conditions. Most Americans proudly driving electric cars don't know about this. That's right. People driving around in their Teslas don't know that they are slavers. <laughs> Having little boys running around grabbing the copper <laughs> and the cobalt to create your car. That's right. In war-torn African countries. Black lives matter, mother brother. They just don't want mining done near them. But wherever it's done, mining is a dirty business that adds lots of carbon to the air. If you're worried about carbon dioxide, the electric vehicle is emitted 10 to 20 tons of carbon dioxide before it even gets to your driveway, before you drive the first mile and plug it in the first time. Carbon dioxide produced by the mining and the manufacturing and the shipping. Exactly. Volkswagen published an honest study. They point out that the first 60,000 miles or so you're driving an electric vehicle, that electric vehicle will have emitted more carbon dioxide than if you just drove a conventional vehicle in the first place. Can you believe that? The first 60,000 miles on your electric vehicle is more carbon dioxide than what if you had driven a, a, a gas-powered one. You have to own it for a while before the electric part starts to win. You have to own it for at least 100,000 miles, and then the electric part wins by some. So it doesn't get you a zero emissions vehicle. It's reduced the emissions then by 20 or 30 percent, which is not nothing, but it's not zero. It's not nothing, but it's not zero. Inconvenient fact number three. We keep hearing. The future of the auto industry is electric, electric, and battery technology. Battery technology. That's key because we need to store the electric power. But storing large amounts of energy in batteries has a problem. Batteries are really lousy at storing energy. They leak energy. Constantly. They leak and they don't hold a lot. Physicist Mark Mills says electric cars are great, but... Oil begins with a huge advantage over the chemicals that are in a battery. Oil has about 5,000% more energy in it per pound. And we see this in electric cars. Electric cars' battery weighs 1,000 pounds. Jeff Carlin's asking a great question, so I don't want to miss it. He says, wait, how does an electric car put pollution into the air? The amount of pollution it takes to create the car for each car that's created, it's actually produced more carbon than a gas-powered vehicle that is created, primarily because of the parts. One, the saddest part is the battery. The product, the, the production of the battery in and of itself is what causes more pollution because the battery weighs, wait for it, 1,000 pounds. That will be explained in a second what the battery weighs. It's replacing about 80 pounds of gasoline. Sorry, I want to play that again. Here it is. Says electric cars are great, but... Oil begins with a huge advantage over the chemicals that are in a battery. Oil has about 5,000% more energy in it per pound. And we see this in electric cars. Electric cars' battery weighs 1,000 pounds. It's what the battery weighs. It's replacing about 80 pounds of gasoline. 80 pounds of gasoline. 
That, now again, the battery is not all that green. But John Beckman, you and I have a discussion with our good friend, Jay King, about the cell phone and how the cell phone used to be this big bulky thing and now it's this little itty bitty thing. Right? It's a cell phone. The cell phone battery is not going to power a car. We all know that. So, with these people who believe, don't worry, in the future, the battery is going to be smaller and sleeker, therefore making the car less expensive. Eh, unfortunately, not true. All right, you're talking today, but the batteries are going to get smaller and better. They've gotten way more powerful, long-lasting, and affordable. All of this is just a prologue to what the next batteries are going to do. I can't wait. Will they be something like the one Iron Man has? Yeah, I can fly. Iron Man with the, uh, the power pack that he puts in his chest or the Terminator. Could happen. Things improve. Engineers are really good at making things better, but they can't make them better than the laws of physics permit. That will never happen in any place except comic books. That's inconvenient fact four. Miracle batteries, powerful enough to replace fossil fuels, are a fantasy. Because nature is not nice to humans, we store energy for when it's going to be really cold or really hot. The people who imagine an energy transition would want to build windmills and solar panels and store all that energy in batteries. Folks, write this down. Commit it to memory what you're about to hear. This is a very important thing. This battery nonsense that everyone believes that everyone's going to be, the whole grid, the entire country, in order for you to power the whole world with these fictional batteries, this is what it's going to take. Pay very close attention right now. But you do the arithmetic and you find out you need to build about $100 trillion worth of batteries. $100 trillion worth of batteries. In order to power everyone, $100 trillion. That's how much it's going to take. To store the same amount of energy that Europe has in storage now for this winter. Oh, I'm sorry. $100 trillion worth of batteries to run the power in Europe. A population smaller than ours in the United States. So imagine what that number would be in the United States. $100 trillion to run Europe? And it would take the world's battery factories about 400 years to manufacture that many batteries. I'm sorry, what? So we will get $100 trillion worth of batteries in 400 years in order to power Europe. Get to making them. 400 years? Politicians don't mention that. No, they don't. <laughs> and there's good reason for that. And here, folks, myth number five. And they say 
every car will be electric. California will require all new cars sold to be zero emission vehicles. If that were somehow to happen. That means a lot more electric vehicles drawing power from the grid. But the grid is already limited. So limited that last summer, California's governor told people, don't use your electric car. Asking residents to avoid charging their EVs in order to conserve energy. Roughly speaking, you have to uh, double your electric grid to move the energy out of gasoline into the electric sector. No one is planning to double the electric grid in California, so there'll be rationing. Rationing. When there isn't enough electricity, cities will simply turn some of the power off. That's inconvenient fact five. We just don't have enough electricity for all electric cars. And we'll have even less of it if we try to get all our electricity from renewable energy like wind and solar. Our president says, we're going to achieve a carbon pollution-free electric sector by the year 2035. <laughs> Didn't I tell you that was bull? And all of the media believe it. It's amazing that all these smart people and supposed leaders say these things. It's upsetting. It really has been an extraordinary accomplishment of propaganda, and there's no other word for it. gas is going to take everything we know and love. Wind and solar, renewable versus oil and gas, it's, it's almost infantile. It's really, it, it's distressing because it's so silly. Because even if engineers invent much better wind turbines and solar panels and power lines and batteries. You're still drilling things. You're still digging up stuff. You're still building machines that wear out. We're still driving big trucks, whether you drill a gas well or build a wind turbine. It's, it's all the same, really. It's just big machines to make lots of energy for humanity. It's not magical transformation. In many respects, the parts that aren't different are worse, unfortunately. The politicians are making us pay more to do things that hurt the environment. You're up going back to coal. Burning coal in homes and open stoves because they're so afraid they're going to freeze this winter. People fearful of winter shortages wait for days and nights to stock up on heating fuel. Lines going for miles in Poland. These are people picking up coal to take home to be sure they won't freeze this winter. This is crazy. So what we've done now is had our energy systems designed by bureaucrats instead of by engineers. If you know someone, get them to watch this special. It's called Inconvenient Truths with John Stossel, formerly of ABC News. He's doing great work ever since he left that plantation. Um, trying to convince people about these electric cars. Some of them just don't use their heads. Uh, look, it's, no administration lasts forever, but hopefully somebody will wake these idiots up. All right, folks, that's my time. As I always say, radio is free, so we thank you for paying attention. Remember to keep JC in your hearts and in your minds. Sean Patrick, we love you and we miss you. Remember that panic is not planned, so plan your work and work your plan. Me, I'm Reese on the radio. You, you have a good night and a pleasant tomorrow because we hope to see you back here on Monday. Holla, holla, pop your collar. I'm going to bed.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.